You're listening to Extra Innings, presented by Next Level Training Center on the Sports Objective. Join us every Sunday night on Facebook Live and our YouTube channel as we talk East Carolina baseball. Welcome in to Extra Innings, uh, presented by Next Level Training Center in Greenville. And what a great uh, what a great night. Oh, my goodness. I can't wait to do this show. We've been waiting all day, especially after the Pirates victory. And uh, Bubba Rosenbaum, I know that you've got to be happy. That, uh, I'm surprised you didn't drive all the way down to, to Greenville. I don't even know what time the Pirates are going to get back. Yeah, um, it, I certainly would have loved to have been down in Clearwater. Uh, if, if money was no objective... Uh, then definitely would have been there, but saving my money for the postseason, and uh, we'll talk about that more here in just a moment because Greenville uh, is going to be home to a regional for the fourth consecutive season, and uh, you know, very, very excited to say the least. Uh, you know, and I'm sure that there's a little recency bias here. Um, uh, I think that's safe to say, but uh, this is undoubtedly, uh, you know, one of the you know, biggest accomplishments in East Carolina's baseball's history, uh, you know, winning 18 consecutive games and this tremendous turnaround. No question about it, Bubba. We're very happy on our panel, two of the best to ever play for UC baseball. Yeah, we've had these guys on before, and, you know, with the current win streak, winning 18 consecutive games, the second longest streak only for that 2014 that these guys were uh, key cogs on, uh, winning 19 straight games. I'm very excited to welcome back to the show, Daryl and Trevor Longhorn. Uh, Daryl and Trevor, how are you guys? Doing well. Thanks for having me. Doing well. Thanks for having me as well. <laughs> you guys, uh, being former players, uh, I know that you're happy, but what does this mean? Uh, whoever wants to start first, what does this mean to you? It's got to be that pirate pride knowing that, you know, this is a routine, uh, but this year has been definitely not routine or business as usual. I'll tell you what, it's uh... – it is great, great, great feeling um, being former players, you know, and staying in touch with all our other teammates. They've been keeping an eye on everything, too. And to be able to start the way we did and to come this far and finish and still be able to keep going it is, is highly impressive and motivating. And it's great, great, great for the program. And I cannot wait to get my seat to that Greenville region this weekend. <laughs> Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be uh, far fetched for me to get down to Greenville, but like I was telling Dave and Bubba, once we get to Omaha, I'm only two and a half hour drive away. So I, my, me and Maddox's ugly mug mugs are gonna be the first thing that uh, Cliff sees when they get off that bus. But um, but yeah, I mean, j- just the way the season started, it was kind of rough, and you know, it, hats off to Cliff keeping these these young guys focused and you know, ready to play every day, even though some things just didn't go their way right at the beginning of the season. Definitely a tough time. And uh, going in, you know, we knew that once we won the regular season title, going 24, it looked like it was, hey, I believe that point was, what, 38 wins. Bubba's the numbers guy, not me, so that's a stretch. But uh, knowing the fact that we had the regular season title, we felt pretty good as we were talking in the green room that we were definitely going to be certainly – uh, team to make the top, you know, to me, the 64. But as far as hosting, uh, that was still in doubt. And so to have that right before the show, before we started to be a regional host is so exciting. 
Yeah, it felt good about it, Dave, uh, going through Clearwater. Uh, at the same time, you felt like you were going to need to win a couple of games. Um, and Pirates were obviously able to do that and went 4-0 down in Clearwater. And, uh, you know, Coach Godwin basically said the same after the game today uh, when Stephen Igo, of course, the colors, asked him a question, uh, you know, just what were his thoughts on the Pirate hosting because it was still obviously uh, – not announced until here about 20 minutes ago that East Carolina would, in fact, be hosting the regional for a fourth consecutive season. And uh, you know, Cliff said he's felt very good about it uh, after winning a couple games down at the AAC tournament. And that speaks highly with having guys, when you have 40 wins, I mean, now we have 42 wins uh, on the season. And I know that there was a period they were talking about earlier. I'd forgotten, Bubba, because you're the numbers guy, 14 to 13. We're something like now, guys, 28 and 5 over the last 33 games, something like that. It's it's just mind boggling. I, I it hurts my brain to think it is very impressive. Very impressive. Each year you go into it, and that's all that's what you talk about, right? 40 wins. 40 wins is going to get you comfortably into a regional and um, with a possibility, depending on your strength of schedule, um, to host. So that's what you strive for. 40 wins, and then hopefully, you know, you set yourself up for a good postseason. Yeah, Charles chimes in here on Facebook, um, mentioning something that, um, you know, I'd thought about. I'm trying to remember what the winning streak was. Uh, one of our loyal viewers and listeners, Tom Earnhardt, and I discussed this, and I think I discussed it with others as well. But no way, you know, when our win streak was – I don't know, 9, 10, 11 games was I going to bring up or win in 23 in a row. Um, no reason to put something out, out there like that. But, um, you know, multiple outlets have since put something out there. But if the Pirates were to go 3-0 in the Greenville Regional and then win the first two games of a Super Regional, they would, of course, have a 23-game win streak going to Omaha. Now, you know, tell me that isn't uh, – wouldn't be something to uh, really <coughs> behold. Yeah, that's that's an omen. You know, that that seems like if that were to happen, it's just definitely meant to be. And it needs to be meant to be. East Carolina has been a top program in the country for a very long time. And we currently, you know, have the longest streak of making the postseason and not making it to Omaha. And it just needs to happen. And, you know, it, it just it just seems like we fall short just almost every year. And if they get to 23 wins, I think it's, it's going to happen. It's uh, it's one of those things, guys, where uh, this was not a fluke. This was a situation where uh, this team, even though they started out tough, we've had great programs for so many years, like you guys said. And Bubba, I know you're the stats guy with uh, with the with these regionals, the super regionals. You know, Cliff Godwin now having four. I think the, the American hasn't been around that long as far as that, but he has now four. Uh, Coach of the Year awards. Uh, we have the three peat uh, for for conference uh, regular season championships. So um, it's just amazing stuff here. Three hundred wins as we have on the screen for those watching. If you're listening, three hundred wins for Coach Godwin. Just amazing feat. And I know the guys you guys were talking about. I think it was Daryl that said to do that at your alma mater is uh, very very special. Yes, um, it is. You know. A lot of coaches strive for, you know, 100 wins just just at any school or any place that they're at. But to be able to go and do this at your alma mater and do it behind 
your idol, right? Coach LeClaire. I mean, that's he's the man. He's he is the um, you know, what you strive to be as a coach. And for him to be able to turn the program to what it is now and, and get 300 wins, man, it's something special. And guys, there's a chance that we were talking about in the green room. Uh, and I know that we've had some of our friends text us, Bubba, do you think there's any hope uh, for to get that, that national seed, that eighth seed, that final national seed? We've never had that before to my knowledge. You know, based on um, the way things have typically unfolded for us historically, uh, I would say no, um, but I guess you, my guess is that we'd probably fall somewhere in the you know, 10 to 13 range uh, you know, based on our current RPI and just how things have been done historically. And uh, and we'll go over some of the other regional hosts. And I'll tell you what, let's go ahead and do that right now you know, while we're on the topic. Um, but in addition to Greenville, the other host sites, um, Stillwater, Statesboro, Stanford, Louisville, Knoxville, Hattiesburg, Gainesville, Corvallis, uh, Coral Gables, College Station, College Park, Chapel Hill, Blacksburg, Austin, and Auburn. Uh, so it will be very interesting to see which one is 16 and paired with um, a number one seed, Tennessee. Obviously, the Vols are going to be that top seed and um, see who's headed to Knoxville should they win their regional and should Tennessee advance. But uh, I think that the Pirates, uh, I'll be very shocked if the Pirates are the 16 seed. I think that it would um, likely be, you know, uh, maybe Southern Miss or Georgia Southern or, or with Auburn hosting. It's very interesting to see um, that that's probably the, the host site that I'm the most surprised with, even though they had a very good year. Yeah, I didn't expect you to say that. And, and again, I think some of that has to do with the conference. I'm not saying that they didn't have a great year, but don't you think the reputation of the conference has something to do with that with the SEC? I believe it always does. Oh yeah, and that, that's part of the it's part of what I'm saying as far as um, why I feel that the Pirates will not be a top eight seed. You know, along with you know, some of those things, the body of work. Um, like Cliff said um, in the post game today, that the Pirates' record against top fifty opponents uh, wasn't the best, but a lot of those games, you know, were played early in the season before we hit our stride. And I'm sure the the committee may take that into consideration. But um, I, yeah, I think that eight that that eight seed was it has always been pretty elusive. Right. Yeah. Going back to 2004, that's the thing. Like you guys were certainly very deserving and had earned that top eight seed and then you go down to the conference tournament and go one and two and uh, get a raw deal by the committee yeah that's why it's hard to predict when people are asking us um even now on air it's really hard to predict because we're not in that room and i know coach joe would be able to tell us more but even though he he's an expert he's still not in that room so no matter if you have experts on or not that has been in that room before you still don't know what uh, we're still not in their minds uh, i know that's stating the obvious but i think that's the biggest thing right now is that uh tomorrow bubba that's going to be daryl we were talking about it pre uh i was going to say pre-game but uh pre-show in the green room we were talking about that's going to be high noon tomorrow right bubba when they announce the seating i believe that's correct i'll confirm that time it's normally at noon so um I'll, a- confirm, I'll confirm the time and channel for that 
and maybe we can find out. I know COVID related, which mess has messed everything up. I'm not going to go down that that path, but uh, I hope that we could. It would be nice to have a place where we could watch the where uh, the pirates are going to go or the that sort of thing. Uh, like I know that we've had it sub dogs. There's been mellow mushroom, uh, but it'd be nice to have a place like that. But I guess I guess that's not going to happen. Yeah, based on what ECU baseball put out on uh, Twitter here within the last hour, hour and a half. I believe they will be watching at Town Bank Tower, and they were encouraging Pirate Nation to come out to Town Bank Tower and interact with the team uh, after the the viewing party um, for the team. So that would be, you know, somewhere uh, around twelve thirty or one o'clock that you'd want to head out there to Town Bank Tower. All right, well that's that's good. So at least we have some that that's good to know. I didn't. I was assuming that it was uh, because of COVID and where we've had it in a restaurant in the past, but hey. Tom Bake Tower is very nice, and why not take advantage of a beautiful, beautiful setting and being right there on campus and Dowdy Ficklin Stadium and all that's fantastic, guys. As far as uh, we can look back on the week at Clearwater, one of the things that uh, is very frustrating. It's great as far as the atmosphere of the that stadium is fantastic. That Phillies, I guess that's Double A ball. Um, Bubba, help me out. I think that's it's high. Oh, it's high. Yeah, okay, thank you. down in the Florida State League. Okay, thank you. And um, uh, that's a beautiful area, but man, the humidity, that heat is, uh, I know they got it was at 93 degrees. We're watching now. I'm like, I'm glad I'm in my recliner in my living room and it's like a comfortable 70 degrees climate controlled. Yeah, it hits you in the face when you walk out there and weather like that. Um, the sun does, it's not really very forgiving and neither is the humidity. So, like the, we said, you know, we we're talking about earlier about having that nine o'clock game. Um, it actually worked out in our favor because it would have been pretty brutal had to play a second game right in the midday of that heat. And Bubba, I know that the one thing we talked about going into this week is that we needed to have a good start. And for Tuesday's game, boy, did we ever. Yeah, on Tuesday, um, not surprisingly, uh, CJ Mayhew got the ball um, by doing so. I, I mean, in addition to, you know, CJ having pitched so well of late um, by giving him the ball on Tuesday. And if he has or if he did exactly what he what he did as far as, you know, throwing 60, 65 pitches, then you can bring him back on Sunday. And, and that's obviously what Coach Godwin and Austin Knight decided to do. And, um, you know, today he threw uh, right around 40 pitches. Um, which is what I would have guessed. I thought he would go probably two or three innings, ended up going three. But um, tremendous start. Um, he, he went four innings against USF. And uh, obviously the, the Bulls, um, much like they were last season when they played their way into the uh, Super Regionals uh, by by winning, uh, winning in Clearwater and then going on and winning the Gainesville Regional, uh, they were in the similar situation once again. Uh, so, but the Pirates came out. And jumped on them, and then, you know, when there was some adversity there, um, what an unbelievable sequence! Where uh, I'm sure you guys saw the the highlights if you didn't see it live. A tremendous throw by Bryson Wool, uh, Sports yes. Center top ten, I believe it was number seven on the top ten, and then you know Bryson Wool, the the bottom of that inning, uh, hit a grand slam to right field. Was that the sixth <clears throat> inning, Bubba? Off the top of my head. 
Yeah. Believe that, believe that was the six because the um, the Bulls had hit a grand slam themselves in the top of the inning, so things got really wild there in the six. Yeah, I was actually sitting at my desk at work watching it, and uh, <laughs> yeah, they were up three nothing, and I'm like, okay, you know, we're we're looking good, and and then they, um, I think Cliff pulled the, I can't remember who was starting. Was it was it CJ? Yeah, May- Mayhew started, yeah. and uh, he went four. Yeah, Mayhew, and they, they pulled him, and and then, uh, you know, a couple things happened, and then the Grand Slam, I'm like, oh, come on. I guess I got to stop watching because I'm the, the bad the bad luck here. And then uh, Bryson had that that amazing throw and, double, you know, double play, and then, you know, for him to come up, you know, once he got up in that inning, I'm like, this dude's going to hit a jack. He yeah, had the, really- all behind him, and it's just, you know, if you make a spectacular play in the field, it's always said that you're going to do something good if you're coming up the next at bat. And, you know, darn if he didn't. He just hammered that ball and got out and, you know, matched a grand slam with a grand slam, which is very rare. No doubt. And, uh, you know, something that was, you know, kind of overlooked by some people, and I know others pointed it out, and that was a tremendous job by Ben Newton, um, pirate catcher. You know, of, uh, obviously it's going to be a bang-bang play at the plate because um, most people thought that it would not be a play. And um, Ben Newton was able to uh, to pick that throw by Bryson Wool and swipe that tag, and um, it really wasn't all that close. Right, and he did it again today. You look at the the play that um, they made on the double steal where, you know, he threw it down, Agnos tagged and, and turned around and, and threw it right back to him. And he threw his knee down right in that guy's uh, – collarbone and, and knocked him out from um, tagging the plate. I mean, great job. Great job of, of protecting that plate and, and doing what he's supposed to be doing. I think that was – we'll talk about that a little bit the second inning, but, man, oh, man, that was a – I was telling the guys that's a backbreaker for uh, – certainly for Houston today. They had uh, they had to have that double header yesterday, and that was, that was uh, good for us, not good for them to have to play – uh, all that, especially for the pitching, for sure. Bubba, I know with uh, Tuesday's game, winning that game, the great thing about Wes, what we said, they had to get it off to a good start, is you had a rest day on Wednesday. I don't know if the Pirates went to the beach or not. but uh, yeah, they, they got one hour. Uh, you know, Based on experience and uh, you know some things that were less than ideal in the past without diving into that, um, things that we discussed Last oh, yeah. week with Matt Bridges and Cam Colmore, things that did not happen during their tenure, but uh, that had happened, uh, you know, there in the first year or two of Coach Godwin's time. Uh, you know, he he learned, uh, you know, from from those experiences, and the team gets one hour now on the on the off days, and uh, so that that was the case on Wednesday as well as Friday. Well, well, guys, you, uh, for Daryl Trevor being former players, you know it's. It's a business, right? I mean, that you're, uh, you can go vacation anytime. Not to knock. I'm not trying to say it has to be 100% baseball, but why else are you there? Oh, that's it. I mean, you're there to do one thing, um, and that's what you should expect to do when you're going down there. Um, maybe you know a little bit of time with your family after all base all things baseball is done. You go sit down in a restaurant or do something like that. But being down there and going to the beach and expecting that you know, to get three, four or five hours of time down there, it's it's not really realistic. It, you can't, don't really have time to do anything during the season at all, to be honest with you. And, and for you guys, what what is it like with that that conference tournament? I mean, it's uh, 
it doesn't seem like there's a lot it, just like you were talking about the regular season and a baseball season but it, it's it's kind of the same thing you really don't have a lot of time like people would think oh you're down in clear water you know the tampa bay area is so beautiful and they're talking about the beach and they're talking about all the great restaurants but you don't have time to do all the sightseeing that people would think no absolutely not i mean you you know you got your batting practice and all that stuff scheduled from the time you get there to the time you leave before your games you also got to do all your therapy with your trainers and all that stuff that you got to get in and yeah there, there's no time i mean and pretty much your lunches are scheduled out your dinners are scheduled out and so it, it is it is all strictly business when you're down there and you know if you do end up winning you know one game and you get a day off you might get a few hours to yourself or your parents or or whatever but other than that it, it's definitely scheduled out yeah i think it starts on like a tuesday when you go down there and you got the conference banquet and then you got you know all the awards and then you you know you get your practice schedule and you start you know get to plan for that stuff and, and you got your two three days of practice batting practice and then you roll into games and then next thing you know it's over and you blink and you're like uh what just happened yeah, we were talking to the guys we were talking about in our group text. It'll be great to take a trip down there. Uh, Bubba, I know you didn't like that one fan cheering for ECU because uh, it sounded so weird. And we have so, normally such a great fan presence there. But uh, I guess the travel of going all the way down there, plus knowing that you've got the regional, uh, like Bubba was talking about, it, it can start adding up because you're hoping that we not only have the Clearwater tournament, which we, is automatic, but then you have regional, super regional, and we will Omaha. And um, those uh, vacation days, I have a lot of them. But if you start taking a few days here, a few days there, that starts to add up. Yeah, we I'd say we had a decent number of fans there as far as parents and, uh, and some other. I know Mike Radford and three or four guys went down there. And, uh, and I, you know, I certainly saw Rick Giles, Ryder Giles' father, and – several other parents there but um but yeah that's a venue that you know outside of ucf and usf um there, nobody's going to bring many fans there i mean so i'm sure the pirates probably had 50 to 100 people there if i had to guess and and, and may, maybe even more because i mean a, a lot of times with that stadium it's misleading because with the weather and it being so sparsely uh attended um people were able to sit under the hangover there in the shade so even though it is a small crowd it's not quite as small as it appears because you, you have the uh the several hundred fans in attendance um, that are sitting together there in three four rows uh, of shade well the most important thing is we won the tournament uh we don't have to worry about certainly the uh attendance bubba i know with wednesday off uh, do you want to talk about thursday's game yeah, on Thursday, and Pirates, uh, a very unique challenge playing a team for the seventh time this season in the Cincinnati Bearcats on very un unorthodox schedule because of the Americans' uh, number of uh, baseball-playing members. But um, so this was a game that going in, you know, Cincinnati having to win the tournament uh, like like everyone to, to advance. Uh, they were in a situation, yes, we had beaten them five out of six times in the regular season. Uh, they won that initial meeting uh, up at Cincinnati on Friday night uh, when we had met, I guess, back in April or whenever that was. Uh, but you know, Cincinnati can really swing the bats. 
And much like today's game, I, I think Jacob Jenkins Cowart hit an early bomb. And then you also had an RBI uh, from AMAC. Uh, Josh Moreland swung the bat well this week. I think he had a hit in all four games. Uh, ha- had a couple of triples, had a couple of uh, doubles. Not not in not in that game, but uh, I think he he had a couple of hits, I believe, against the Bearcats, maybe three. And um, really jumped on them early, which was nice to see because you knew they were going to put up some runs. And they did that in the middle innings. They they made it interesting. They cut our eight one lead down to eight to five. But but then uh, the Pirates really uh, responded. And, you know, put the foot back on the gas and uh, ended things early, winning 15-5 to five in seven innings. Yeah, no doubt. And, guys, one of the things that I love about this team is the grit. I know one of the co-hosts, uh, Matt Semenza, talks about that with this team and how special they are. But whenever they're down or whenever they have that when a team, it just seems like they always have an answer. And the great teams always have an answer for a team like that. You know, Cincinnati was a dangerous team because you we beat them. But – tournament time is is really scary even though you should win doesn't mean you will yeah that's right um a team like cincinnati you know you know they're going to score runs those dudes they can hit and so you know going into it that you're going to have to put up runs as well hopefully the pitching staff shows up and and you can can get a couple stops here and there but you're going to have to put up you know six seven eight runs just to be you know keep it tight to have a give yourself a chance to play um, and win uh, against a team like Cincinnati. Yeah, no doubt. And that was that was great that we didn't uh, – Bubba, another great thing about this week, fellas, if you want to talk about too, one of the, uh, the themes, if you will, is we didn't use as much pitching as I thought we would. Did you think – did you get that feeling? I'd say, you know, under the circumstances with the way we've handled it all, all year long, I mean, I think we probably – went through things about as well as we uh, could have. Um, yes, we used a lot of pitchers, but uh, I think we were smart about go- with, with uh, going with who we went and uh, when we used them. Um, Josh Groves um, was probably extended the most of anybody. I, I want to say uh, between his start and then his relief outing today that he threw, maybe I'll confirm this, but I think 130 pitches or so, somewhere between 130 and 140 pitches uh, over, over that stretch. But uh, And then you also had C.J. Mayhew. C.J. Mayhew uh, with those two starts, I think, just, just through uh, 103 pitches total. So not yeah. bad at all. Not bad at all. Yeah, that's that's tournament time for you, those uh, high pitch. You know, and that's what they, they preach during the regular season. Hey, you can get your number called anytime anywhere and you be ready. Exactly. Yeah. That's, that's the reason you've uh, you know done what you've done throughout the season up to this point. Yeah. And we spoke about it earlier um, before um, this started that, you know, all season long, it seemed like the pitching staff was dealt in a tournament style way all year long, um, getting two, three innings here, there throwing 40 to 60 pitches and have the, the possibility to come back the next day or a couple of days later. And then with your bullpen guys that are your regular guys, Garrett Saylor, two, three innings. He had that one long uh, outing earlier in the year. But after that, you know, he was able to keep it manageable. So he can be the the leading appearance guy <laughs> in college baseball, you know, and, and throw almost every single game. That's and, what's a guy, 
and a guy that has really emerged or, you know, kind of reemerged in the last two or three outings, and that's Josh Groves. He got that start on Thursday against Cincinnati, and uh, Groves went four innings, two runs. Both of those were earned on four hits on seven strikeouts. He did walk three batters, but uh, all in all, uh, a solid start for Josh, and, and it was great to see him pitching well again headed into the postseason. This is by far, and this we talked about this preseason, guys. That before we had that, we wouldn't. We knew that the uh, the batters would. I mean, excuse me. We knew the pitching would be there. That that's uh, that's before we even knew about Wisenhunt, really. And then right after Wisenhunt, but um, I know that uh, we'll get to some of the comments. Uh, thanks uh, for everybody watching and listening. By the way, uh, we'll get to the comments in a minute. But the fact that Cooch uh, was out for five weeks, you have no Wisenhunt at all, and you have. Um, I told people we have a lot of talent and the, and, and the fact of the matter is the, the talent um, is now finally starting to jail. Uh, they got, they found a way they learned how to win. And the thing that, that watching the games, another thing guys is really exciting is these guys are very young, a lot of young guys. We don't have that many seniors. So um, this is going to be a team that's built for, we always talk about Cliff Godwin reloading. Here's another example of how they're reloading with, Young guys, uh, Jacob Jenkins Coward, a freshman, a lot of sophomores. Kyle Barber is joining us now on the road again. <laughs> What's going on, guys? You hear me all right? Yeah, we're here. You fine? Yeah, I'm, I'm on the highway somewhere in between um, Jacksonville and Maysville. So uh, I, uh, I'm not, I wasn't sure how my connection was, but um, I hadn't had a chance to uh, keep up with what's, what's going on tonight since the game, watch the game. And uh, I, I did see we're hosting. Um, uh, we won't find out what seat we are till tomorrow, correct? Right. Correct. Okay. Um, and can uh, I, I won't bother you guys with other 15 hosting sites. I'll look that up on my own. Uh, but uh, just congratulations to the Pirates, man. This is an unbelievable run to, to go on this winning streak, to win. I mean, it, it is a remarkable story to think, you know, a month ago our RPI was in the 50s. And we were talking about making the tournament. And then the discussion was we were going to be a three or a two. And, and to end up hosting, to end up in the top ten of the RPI or whatever the RPI ended up being, if, you know, if we go out of regionals and, God forbid, you know, that happens, we want to go into Omaha. But this is a remarkable story. I mean, it's, nobody would have predicted this. You know, I remember Dave, um, me and uh, another and a guest on here, like, laughing when you're like, do you think we can still host a regional? We're like, what? We can host a regional? And, you know, it, it's it's uh, it's crazy to be sitting here thinking that we are. I'm sure all this has already been said, but I'm just joining. So. Actually, it hasn't. And, uh, you know, the reason we felt that way, Kyle, and even Coach Godwin, you know, he was being honest after the game. He said he would have probably lost a lot of money on it. And it's not that he didn't believe in his team. And I, I fully expected the Pirates to make a regional. I thought we would probably be a two-seed somewhere. But um, you know, the margin for error was so small. Uh, one of the things we said, we said, yeah, we could probably host, but in, in order for us to host, we're going to have to have, you know, like a 20-game win streak. We're going to have to win out, and that's what we've done. <laughs> no, it's remarkable. And, I mean, it, you, you're you proud to be regular season champions, and now you're proud to be conference champions, and now you're you know, it's a freaking regional. I mean, I mean, this is like – At the traffic lights. You know what this is, guys? I look at this as karma, and, and, and you know maybe sometimes you can you can only have so much bad luck till you finally have some good luck. 
this is to me this is this is this is the universe whoever 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 handles sports karma this is the universe rewarding us for or paying us back for that bs with the bowl game where we where we didn't get to go to our bowl game when we knew we were going to and we were in a bowl nobody thought we were going to be hosting a regional so to me this is like the universe giving back to us because of what happened in the bowl game or times in the past, Kyle, where we um, were deserving of a national seed and did not get that national seed, like in 2004 that Daryl and Trevor are obviously um, very familiar with. And Kyle, and uh, since you're just joining us, there's a chance, a chance that we may have a chance at the national seed. We're on the bubble for that for number eight. That I'm would be insane. I mean, I couldn't imagine. Me, me and Bubba were, were joking about that last night because somebody mentioned that. And we are like, a national seed? And so, no, that would be nuts. If of all years we ended up being a national seed, my goodness. Yeah, and it actually looks kind of better with the, the bottom three regional um, sites named. It kind of boosts the Pirates up a little bit higher with that off chance, uh, like Bubba said earlier looking at the past and how we were snubbed from that spot based on our conference, obviously that's still a chance, but yeah, we're, we're still looking pretty good at the possibility of one of those top eight seeds, the eight seed. Guys, I'll, um, I, I'll not ask you all the other host slides. I'm sorry. I've been in a cookout well, tonight. Well, Kyle, we, we did run through those earlier. Well, I, well, I just want to, did, did Hattiesburg, did Southern Miss get to host or not? Southern Miss is hosting and uh, we'll run, okay. we'll, you know, provide some thoughts on those other, uh, host sites as well as you know those, those teams um, that are hosting um, not only the site but you know just some of the history there and we'll run through that here in a few minutes but uh, you know back to what happened down in Clearwater um, Pirates after taking care of business on Tuesday and Thursday earned another off day on Friday um, so then you were in that the catbird seat so to speak and where you're going to have to be beaten twice on Saturday and um, so Pirates came out, took care of business. And I love the fact that uh, we got matched up with Tulane because that was the only conference series we had lost. And uh, it was nice to come out and go, you know, kind of set the score straight with the green wave on Saturday. Oh, no question. I'll tell you guys, there was a, to me, we were talking about JJC. He made a, I can't remember what inning, the innings run together for me, uh, especially yesterday. I was half awake. Um, at that nine o'clock start, it was good for the Pirates, not good for me. But that that catch he made in right field, and it was the third out, and he slams the ball down. I mean, and it picks the ball back up. He uh, he's I love his passion. Not only how great he is, but man, we and the fact he's a freshman, we're gonna have him around for at least another year or two, right? Two years. Yeah, maybe. yeah, I believe so. Yeah, he's uh he made Sports Center top ten on that that play too. Yeah, and then he then he comes back the you know the very next half inning and hits a three run bomb. Yeah, um, uh, you got to love the kid's energy. He he is infectious, uh, like in every sense of the word. I love watching him play, and that and that dude's gonna be fun to watch from you know next week on until he's done playing baseball. Yeah, I believe it was our friends Dave. Um, very quickly while we're on that play by Jacob Jenkins Coward. You know, retreating to his right there in the, the right center field gap and just fully extended. And uh, I believe it was our friends with the 11.7 podcast said if Rob Gronkowski played baseball, um, just with that energy and that reaction, him getting up and spiking the baseball, 
and leaving a divot out there in the, the turf, um, that that would have been Rob Gronkowski. I've never seen that. I've never seen somebody spike a baseball before. Have you got, I mean, I've never seen that before. That was really cool. Like, uh, it's almost like WWE or something. Kyle and I are big wrestling fans, something like that. It was not something you see normally for baseball. And he did go and pick it up. Um, and I, obviously, right then, I'm sure Coach Godwin, I was very interested to see how he handled that when he spiked the ball because, you know, generally speaking, that's not something Cliff Godwin's about. But um, I did notice I laughed to myself after after the game when uh, I saw Cliff had, had retweeted it and he made a comment about that energy. Yeah, I think Cliff has had, uh, you know, kind of adjust his coaching style to all the youngins he has and the way they've grown up playing baseball compared to how we grew up playing baseball and all the energy they bring and you know they bring a little more flash and flair to the game and I think Cliff is kind of turning the page on being that strict 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 guy and being able to you know go roll with the punches that those kids bring. Well Trevor since you brought up the topic um, very quickly Dave I want to get Trevor and Daryl's take on this I will say it's somebody from their era. I won't call that individual out, but uh, they did say, can you imagine? Um, they reached out to me early in the season. They said, can you imagine what Tommy Eason would have done if we uh, were putting road cones on our head? He said he would have uh, He said he would have whipped our butts. <laughs> he, he would have probably grabbed one of our bats and hit it off our head. I mean – yeah, uh, <laughs> the hockey stick, the cowboy hat, the road cone. I mean, yes, the, you, you name it. Um, Tommy, that, Tommy would have um, taken us into the little side bathroom where our, our, an old Harrington field, and probably would have let us have it. Having a peanut butter, <clears throat> peanut butter and jelly uncrustable stuffed in your face. <laughs> yeah, you, you guys, you guys like the the wrestling. They he would have definitely body slammed us back there. Yeah, no thanks. <laughs> we, we won't have any part of that. But you make a great point that with the new players, one of the things I was thinking about, not to get off to, uh, too much of a topic, uh, Bubba, I know we're trying to finish the week that was, but talking about JJC, these guys are playing, you know, the fact that he's a freshman, everybody says that. It's like a cliche now. I can't believe he's a freshman. But these guys are, are have a lot more experience than when we grew up playing, I would think. Don't you think? I mean, with all the – I mean, maybe not, but it just seems like they're more experienced coming in now. It's certainly more specialization. And uh, yeah, Daryl and Trevor, you can certainly talk more about this than any of us as far as, you know, your experiences growing up, whether, you know, high school ball, American Legion ball, you know, any type of um, baseball you may have played. But, you know, travel ball over the last couple decades has only, uh, you know, steadily increased in popularity. and. Uh, I'll let you guys take it from there. Yeah, that's we didn't have uh, travel ball when we were coming up. It was high school and legion ball, and then after that, it was it was done. You know, you you probably played a different sport um, in the you know in the fall or in the winter, getting ready to go into baseball again. Um, we didn't have year round baseball, which I'm I'm personally I'm glad because I probably would have been burnt out from playing that much baseball. But they, these kids love it. That's what they do. They they are out there and they see and play with these guys year round. So, and you see it um, when you're watching them too. They, they all know each other. Um, it's, it's a different game than what we, we played. Uh, we might've been a little more hard nosed and I'm not going to talk to you until the game's over type deal. But these guys are, you know, 
cutting up with each other on the field because they they've been with each other all the way to this point. Yeah, it, it kind of reminds me of um, playing professional baseball. You know, when you play professional baseball, you play these guys a, a, a bunch of times during the year, and then you know after the game you go hang out and get to know them a little bit better. And now you're joking and playing at first base, second base, and whatnot. And it's it, like Daryl said, you know, they play with each other in travel ball against each other all the time because they're the elite and you're playing against the elite. So you, you see every, you know, pretty much division one player, baseball is a small world. And that's, that's just how it seems like they're doing it. Yeah. I was reading that thing, guys. I'm a, I guess I'm old school not about not the specialization to have a true athlete to play different sports. In fact, I uh, saw a thing on Facebook where, they had Michael Jordan played football, basketball, and baseball in high school. And uh, so if he can play all three sports, uh, then you don't need the specialization, right, Bubba? Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely, in a general sense, against specialization, especially at an early age. You know, these parents that push a kid to specialize, you know, eight, nine, ten years old, I think that's beyond ridiculous. Uh, now, maybe, you know, once you get up to later in middle school or in high school, I'm still really not for it, but I, you know, if somebody doesn't want to play other sports and it's clear that that's their top sport and that's where they're going to have a chance to earn a scholarship, then, you know, that's, that's where you have to make your best decision based on, you know, all the information that you have at your disposal. No question. And you like the situation with me guys, I'll just say this real quick. Sorry. Uh, my situation is different than a lot because I'm in Eastern North Carolina. We're a one, a school. So my son and daughter, when they play, they're going to have to play multiple sports because we really don't have a choice. We have 19 sports that we field, and um, and, and we have to have those kids play. If we don't, then we're not going to be able to field a team. Yeah, that's that's how our parents um, handled it with me and Daryl. You know, they let us play whatever sports we wanted to, and when it came to high school, that was the time to make the choice and. That was the time for us to decide that, yeah, baseball is where we're going to be. Granted, we're really good at baseball, and, you know, football wasn't it, getting thrown around and slammed on the ground. That just didn't ha wasn't happening for us. So uh, baseball was it, and it just turned out to, to work out pretty good. And that's one of the things as we're wrapping this topic up uh, about specialization. Um you hear Coach Godwin say it all the time, as well as other coaches. Um, you know, they're really not for specialization. That when they go recruiting guys, um, do do they bring in plenty of guys that have specialized in in baseball? Sure, but um, you know, when they have the opportunity to get a guy that has a background in football or in basketball or maybe both of those sports as well as other sports, um, then they they like that um, experience because it you know has provided for those opportunities to be coached in different ways and, you know, work different muscles, so on and so forth. There's a lot of advantages to playing multiple sports. And obviously Daryl's already mentioned the, the burnout factor. And then a lot of times, you know, you're playing so many games, you're not practicing as much or, and then also, um, you know, overuse injuries. You know, so many, so many guys have those overuse injuries that maybe you didn't have back in the day because, you know, you're, you were, uh, you know, playing a different sport, whatever was in season, as opposed to playing baseball the full calendar year. No question. Guys, guys, I, um, 
go ahead. I, uh, yeah, I'm all, I'm all, I'm gonna change the subject here briefly. Just, just, uh, and it is sort of related. You remember the, uh, the announcer, uh, during the game on uh, Friday that, that uh, kept screwing things up and saying we were in Greenville, South Carolina, and giving distances to different regionals. Yeah, uh, from Greenville, South Carolina. Well, uh, we were leaving um, cookout here, and uh, I've been here a million times uh, in my friend's house, and. Uh, but my wife can never remember exactly where to turn because it's all back in the woods. So I put in GPS, and I got on the show here and wasn't paying attention to anything. And um, I looked up and said, where are we at? We're not going the right way. And um, for some reason, our GPS was taking us to LaGrange, Georgia. So I'm glad I looked up when I did. <laughs> or, or we might might have been Wilmington before I realized it. But um, I uh, anyway, so, uh, so it's uh, kind of tying the two together with the uh, – with the misinformed directional announcer and uh, my GPS, they wanted to take us to LaGrange, Georgia. Anyway, back to baseball. It seems like we don't get that respect either. You know, it doesn't matter what sport they show East Carolina on. They're always going to call us Eastern Carolina for some reason. Um, And I hope that, you know, this postseason will finally get it straight. We get to Omaha and, a sign is going to be there. Maybe Trevor can take it down there, and it's going to say, "Our name is East Carolina." Yeah, I'll, try to, I'll be there. Daryl, Daryl, was that you or Trevor that chimed in is uh, on Twitter uh, in response to something I put out there? Yeah, that was, that was that Trevor. That I was bored at work and I saw it and kind of aggravated me a little bit, and so I was like, "It's never," you know. My comment was. We've never been Eastern Carolina. We'll never be Eastern Carolina. It is East Carolina. And, guys, the thing that's frustrating for me with baseball, and we're doing a baseball show now, but the thing that's frustrating about for me is uh, you can make the argument that, you know, our football team has been down. Basketball has never really been good. But when you talk about East Carolina baseball, we're a top 25 program. There's no excuse in the world if there's ever a sport that we have that we field at East Carolina, there's never a reason for we are one of the best in the whole country. I don't understand why this isn't like a fluke that we just made it this year. We've been making regionals for for a long time, uh, super regionals. We win in conference championships, regular season championships, and we have a tremendous one of the best coaches in America. I mean, he had a chance to have LSU or or Ole Miss, you know, last year. I mean, if we were such a bad program, nobody would be after Cliff Godwin. Um, but I just don't want to, that's one of the things that's frustrating for the baseball program, especially is that they should definitely know what our name is. I uh, 100% agree. Bubba, let's talk about, uh, we, we were talking, I know about, uh, I believe we're on, are we on fr- Friday's game or Saturday? Where I guess we're Saturday. Well, we didn't play Friday, but. Uh, yeah, we're, Saturday, I meant to say. I'm, I'm just messing with you. No, we were playing, um, we, were, we were talking about us playing Tulane. You know, let's just say that it was a less than desirable start. Um, the Green Wave went back-to-back home runs to start the game, then three home runs in the first couple innings, a 40 nothing deficit. But then there in the third, um, that's when I really felt like the momentum shifted and, uh, you know, stayed the Pirates away and stayed in the Pirates dugout, if you will. And that's when, you know, Zach Agnos after Cooch, um, very nice to see Cooch back. And we'll talk about the potential impact there uh, with Cooch, um, even though he had certainly been contributing in a leadership role over the last six weeks. Awesome to see him come back out and 
you know, work an inning and two thirds of uh, shutout relief. And then, um, you know, in the bottom half of the third inning, you had Zach Agnos. I think he led the Pirates in hits in the conference tournament, had at least 10, maybe 11 or 12 hits. And he hit that bomb to the left center gap. And even though we only got one back in the third, you felt like that was the beginning of things. And it certainly was headed into the middle innings. No question about it. When you think about uh, Cooch, uh, I was telling you guys in the group uh, text yesterday, He's such a great guy, and Coach Godwin talks about he's like the hardest working guy on the team. He is. Uh, he leads by example. I don't know about his. Uh, he's not necessarily, I guess, a fiery guy. The guy in the locker room that yells at people or you know, like gets in your face. But um, to see him be able to come back, and I was texting Bubba, do you think it'll be thirty or forty pitches? And uh, he did thirty-two pitches. So hey, Bubba, I got a stat right uh, for once. But um, I was happy to see him back out, and uh, certainly. That's great to know, guys, moving forward with the regional and beyond. You definitely need that arm of uh, Jake Kuchmaner. Yeah, and you talk about Jake Kuchmaner's fieriness. No, it's not uh, JJC. You know, Jacob Chicken's coward um, in the emotion, the energy that he shows. But at the same time, if there's a, such a thing as, you know, kind of a low-key, fiery guy, I think that describes Jake Kuchmaner. And you see Kuchmaner a lot of times, you know, when – the Pirates get out of a get out of an inning or, you know, have a big hit, a um, big situation in the game. Cooch will be one of the first ones to congratulate whoever just scored the run or whoever just got that, that final out. I would say that, you know, I, I would call him a grinder. Um, Cooch is is a grinder. He gets out on the mound. That, that, that guy's going to work. He's going to work quick. He's going to come at you. He's not scared of you. And – He's going to let his stuff show. And going back to the game, you know, going down 4 nothing, and I'm watching it on my phone as we're driving down to Wilmington, and I didn't have not one doubt in my mind that the Pirates were going to come back. Um, in that field and the way they were playing, four runs, they're not going to – that's nothing. That is nothing to come back from. And and the Pirates proved it. You know, they, they played a great game. They were able to come back and – and held them off once we got into our bullpen and got their guy out of there. We were able to just stride it out. And, guys, uh, the funny thing was that you know, Bubba was talking about those two home runs. That pitcher had only th- thrown five pitches. And I looked at the, I looked up there that right corner and saw five pitches, and I was like uh, – I, I didn't realize – I knew there was two home runs, obviously, but on five pitches I was like, wow, um, that was great. And – uh, I tell you another guy that really I'm so proud of this year, Carter Spivey, Bubba, again yesterday. I, I forgot how many was it. I can't remember how many pitches it was yesterday, but uh, really proud of him. Uh, what a year he's having, pitcher of the year. And if there was any a doubt, which there shouldn't be a doubt, uh, as far as people in the conference mind who the pitcher of the year should be, yesterday Carter Spivey yet again showed it. Yeah, and Carter Spivey worked four and a third in – in relief, um, four and a third shutout innings of relief, allowing just two hits, four strikeouts, a walk, and uh, he, he did throw 63 pitches and is now a perfect 7-0, and uh, while also, I think, leading the team in saves with, I believe, it's six. So, uh, unbelievable season for Carter Spivey. Yeah, you yeah. can tell how much work he put in compared to last year. Um Last year, it was his freshman year, and it was a struggle for him. He got put in a fire, and you could tell that it was almost, you know, shocking. 
And you can see going into this year, it went the first time he took them out, and you're like, oh, okay. He's done some work, and his stuff has gotten a lot better, a lot better. And kudos to him putting the work in and, and going out there and, and and doing what he was meant to do every time he's called. I mean, that he deserves to be the first relief pitcher to win the conference pitcher of the year by far. I mean, he nailed it. He has a great season. Yeah, like you're saying, Daryl, 31 appearances. Uh, he did start one game. Uh, I don't recall who that was against. Uh, but um, I believe it was on the weekend uh, when, when we were, you know, figuring out our pitching situation there early in the season. But um, and I, I mentioned six saves. It actually is five saves. So he's one of three Pirates on the roster with five saves. Also, you have Ben Terwilliger and then uh, Garrett Saylor. So um, you know, Carter Spivey, seven and zero. Like I mentioned, the, the let's see, second most appearances on the team behind only Garrett Saylor, who has thirty four, and. Uh, a 2-4-2 ERA, opponents hitting just 232 against him. And uh, his command was uh, tremendous because 68 strikeouts and 67 innings pitched um, as opposed to just 23 passes, eight, 18 walks and two hit batters. So you know, strikeout to, to walk ratio, about three and a half to one. Hey, guys, one of the things I want to mention, too, before I forget, I was going to mention last week when we had – Colmore and uh, Bridges on, but uh, what a job Austin Knight's done as a pitching coach. I mean, I remember I've heard some rumblings. You know how it is with when you have message boards. Let's just leave it at that. And people were questioning. I mean, why should people question Cliff Godwin? I mean, the guy has won so much, including his 300th game uh, today at ECU. But Austin Knight, I mean, everybody's like, why in the world are we, you know, why didn't we have a national search? Well, ladies and gentlemen, we have now. First time ever where we have a conference championship regular season tournament. And you can't say the pitching's been bad this year. The pitching's been really good. And to think that we have the job or performance of a pitching coach without Wisenhunt and Cooch Meter for five weeks, Austin Knight, I tip my hat to him. Yeah, what a first season to be pitching coach, huh? And uh, the way he and Cliff Godwin managed the situation, you know, and um, used that pass the ball mentality. Um, to perfection, I'd say. Yeah, usually when you say Johnny Holstaff, it's like uh, we're just we don't really have you know pitchers. We're just or the quality starting pitchers. But in this particular case, this this is the deepest I've seen. Maybe you guys, but there it's been a while since we've had where there's so many pitchers. You oh yeah, oh yeah. You forget about some of these guys because we were loaded. Not that I'm complaining. We're loaded with talent. Yeah, you think about it. So you had the game at Memphis where C.J. Mayhew went nine innings. I think you also had one where Ryder went about seven or eight. Um, but for the most part, um, you know, we, we did not have a starter go more than four or five innings. There, there may have been a you know a handful of times where you know Cooch was right there, five or six innings. But um, you know, for the most part, we're piecing it together and passing the ball to the next guy, the, the hot hand. And that's something that we um, know very well that that uh, Cliff Godwin's not going to beat around the bush. Um, that he, if he thinks a change needs to be made, uh, he's not going to hesitate to make it. Right, and you got a you got a lot of young arms with a lot of experience now. Um, kind of like you know you said earlier with with Spivey and, and how much action he got last year, and he wasn't that good. 
Um, you got a lot of people, a lot of the freshmen, a lot of young arms in there this year that are going to have that experience. It's going to only make them better. Um, you look at a Trey Savage, right? The, the kid throws hard. He has really good stuff, but he had very little command, and he works on it, works on it, works on it, comes back at the end of the season, and, you know, he's a lights-out, one, two-inning guy. No doubt about it. Uh, Kyle, did you want to chime in? Uh, I'm sorry, guys. I was halfway paying attention to the, uh, to the discussion, to be honest with you. Uh, but, no, as far as the uh, the pitching staff um, and the job Austin Knight's done in this first year as pitching coach, no, he's done a great job. And uh, the, the pitching staff, you know, I think one of you guys said you, you don't you don't have your, your traditional, what you think of as, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then this guy's going to always pitch, you know, your traditional seven, eight inning starters. And, um, but we got a lot of depth and we got a lot of guys we can depend on. And, you know, I think I heard today we've had 11 different pitchers start games this year. And normally that means you probably had a disastrous season. And, uh, that's not the case for East Carolina is, you know, it, it, I think early on we were trying to figure out who goes where with the pitching staff. And, uh, you know, we, because of that, we've built a lot of depth and a lot of guys have different roles. They, they, they play on the team, you know, pitching and, I, it's 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 cool to see, man. Like just just overall, to me, this season has been kind of an evolution. It's it's not been like most seasons. I know every season have ebbs and flows, but the ebbs and flows of this season have been so dramatic, and it's just been cool to see the whole team grow, particularly the pitching staff. Yeah, piggybacking off what Kyle's saying regarding uh, eleven guys having started games, you've also had eleven guys um, earn saves, and um, we we mentioned the the three that. Um, and then obviously Ben, ben Terwilliger and and the others who uh, have earned five saves, Carter Spivey, uh, and so just unbelievable. I, th- I think, and then you had two or three more that had earned a couple saves each. So, you know, guys, you know, being selfless and doing whatever role um, they've been called to to do. Yeah, and it's it's a credit to the the coaching staff. You know, like you said, they, these guys are young. The arms are young in the bullpen. And they started off really rocky at the beginning of the season. And for them to turn it around and, you know, kind of keep that swagger and confidence that they they knew that they were good pitchers, they just needed to get out there and do the job. And for Cliff and Austin Knight to, to keep reiterating in those arms out there in the bullpen and the starting guys that, hey, you know, you're here for a reason. You're good. You know, you're not just some, you know, no-name kid that we brought off the streets you know it's you're here for a reason and you're going to go out there and throw the ball and we're going to give you the ball regardless if you you know blow a save or two whatever it is it doesn't matter we have the confidence in you to go out there and get the job done and you need to have that confidence as well wrapping up on the discussion about the tournament um, talking about today's game pirates were in as good of a spot as they could have been in having gone three and oh um, you know, not had to extend the pitching staff, winning a, a couple games on Saturday or anything like that. Uh, so you felt really good about it. So, um, Houston, on the other hand, uh, they were forced to, to play two yesterday with UCF winning that initial game early in the afternoon, uh, and that game went into extra innings. So you felt like after Houston, even though they're a very good team and they were playing for their uh, their season, because they knew, uh, like, like their coach mentioned in the post game, Coach Whitting 
said that with the RPI, they knew they had to win the tournament, even though they had won 37 games. And he, he really felt like that uh, he could see the fatigue, of the effects of having played so many games, and uh, including 19 innings on Saturday. And um, even Cliff Godwin, even though the Pirates had uh, played just the, the minimum, he said he felt like that um, that affected our offensive production as the game went on. Yeah, he had – We you knew that was coming, especially with it being the championship and the championship game. And I know, Bubba, you wanted to do some uh, – do you want to do some comments or did, did you guys have any thoughts on uh, – oh, oh, I know one that I wanted to talk about, Bubba, is the fact that I know we had a comment about uh, there was no dog pile today, business as usual. That was really cool to see, uh, even though I love the dog pile. I think, hey, uh, great that we win the conference, but this is not the last goal we have. Yeah, I believe that was Charles that chimed in with that, um, and that's something I noticed as well. Um, just how how the guys they, they certainly showed excitement, but they there was no dog pile because it was uh, it was something that we fully expected to do, and um, we have bigger fish to fry. Hashtag no dog pile till Omaha. I like that it. I like it too. But um, before we move on from the tournament and talk about some of these regionals and start wrapping up the show, uh, wanted to talk about the most outstanding player for the American Athletic Conference Tournament and uh, IRPGXGloves.com. Um, really appreciate Mark Minikazi, a former East Carolina third baseman, his support of the program uh, with PGX Gloves. But PGXGloves.com Player of the Week is uh, none other than Jacob Jenkins Cowart, five out of 16, three home runs, 10 RBIs. Um, today he had a couple of hits and drove in four. Uh, so congratulations to Jacob Jenkins Cowart. JJC is our PGXGloves.com Player of the Week. And then our PGXGloves.com Pitcher of the Week. Uh, we already talked about how C.J. Mayhew got the ball twice in starts and pitched very well, seven shutout innings, uh, surrendering just five hits, striking out five and walking two. So congratulations to C.J. Mayhew on being our PGXGloves.com Pitcher of the Week. Yeah, no question, Bubba. Those were two that – and a lot of great performances. Uh, we were talking about Zach Agnos. I know you mentioned he had 10 hits. Um, he was another player that came to mind. And what about Bryson World? I mean, think about that. There's three guys right there that you can just off the top of your head that had a tremendous tournament uh, yeah. that you can make arguments for. Yeah, like you're saying, I mean, so many guys swinging the bat well. Uh, talked about Josh Moreland. Uh, having at least five or six hits in the four games, had a hit in each of the games. And uh, I think four out of those five or six hits were for extra bases, uh, a pair of doubles and a pair of triples for Josh. So that's awesome to see him swinging the bat as consistently as he has over the last four games headed into the postseason. And uh, really probably as good as any four-game stretch as he's had all season, especially with that power. And uh, as far as Zach Agnos, that, that just shows you how many – People were playing well because at one point, uh, Zach Agnos was eight out of 10 back to back, four for five games in those games against South Florida and Cincinnati. And I was like, well, here's our PGXGloves.com player of the week. But uh, we ended up choosing JJC and rightfully so. 
Yeah, I think he deserved it. I mean, you look at – I mean, you, you could – like you said, you could have picked any of them. You could have picked any of them to, to get those awards. But uh, you can't go wrong with JJC. Again, you know, he's – he got snubbed in the uh, the regular conference, um, you know, conference teams and, and awards and, and stuff like that. So, to win this one, um, you know, it's good for him. And that's something uh, Cliff Godwin was asked about in the post game. He said it made him reflect back to his initial season as East Carolina head coach back in 2015 when Hunter Allen got snubbed. And then Hunter Allen went on to become the AAC, you know, most outstanding player in the conference tournament. Do we know, did, uh, did um, JJC, did he win that uh, award for the tournament or was it somebody else that was um, most yeah. outstanding player? JJC did. He was named the AAC's most outstanding player for the, the conference term. Awesome. Good for him. He deserves it. Yeah. And again, uh, it's great to see him do that. And, um, you know, being a freshman, uh, we'll have at least uh, two more years with him, uh, hopefully, and uh, injury uh, free, uh, hopefully. And uh, we'll ha- that'll be fantastic. Guys, do you want to talk about now? Uh, we've got, we know we talked about tomorrow around noon. We'll find out. Uh, what seed Greenville is? I know our good friend Brian Pace said. B Pace said, "Well, he thinks we'll be a nine seed. I think Pace is probably right. They'll we'll be outside looking in a bubble national seed. Um, but what do you guys think? I'd be pleasantly surprised if, pretty, if the hey, Pirates will national right, right. seed. We'll be, we'll be. Go ahead, Kyle. We had we had some lag there." Go ahead, Kyle. Well, I, I think Kyle may be in a bad service area now, but uh, what I was saying is that, like we talked about earlier in the show, uh, I'd be pleasantly surprised if the Pirates did garner one of those top eight seeds. But uh, I expect us. I haven't checked it. You know, it's ever-changing that RPI as games were finishing this evening. But um, – I think the highest I saw the Pirates were, was eighth or ninth, and I, I think that um, odds are that you know we'll be probably you know eleven, twelve, thirteen seed somewhere in there. Yeah, my gut, I, I think twelve, but that's what I'm going with. What about you, Daryl and uh, Trevor? I'm thinking probably around a ten or eleven. I'm just going to go up just a little bit higher than than you guys. I feel like if we do get a thirteen, fourteen, that's almost disrespectful to be honest with you by the way they finished up the season you know they they go into it saying you know your last 10 games and this and that well we've won 18 in a row so where where does that fall in line you know give us give us that respect that we deserve yeah i mean you know prop that that eight seed is all has always been elusive to us when we talked about this earlier um that would be amazing if they got the eight seed uh, to be able to host the Super if we got past the Regional. Um, and then, you know, that just makes you think about that number 23. You know, 23 in a row, that, that would make it even better, even sweeter. Um, but, you know, like like you guys said, we're, we're probably – we'll probably fall in that 10, 11, 12 range, in, in my opinion. Yeah, which uh, that would be nice if we could uh, – hopefully we're pleasantly surprised tomorrow at noon. Bubba, did you want to talk about those uh, Regionals again? Uh, home sites. Yeah, we'll, we'll obviously just start off at home with the Greenville Regional. Um, 
Pirates hosting for the fourth consecutive season. Obviously, there was no 2020 season, so 2018, 19, 21, and 22. And uh, it is the seventh time we've hosted a regional, obviously just the fifth at Clark LeClaire, because in 2001 and 2004, uh, we hosted in Wilson and then also Granger Stadium in Kinston. Yeah, that's that's another great thing about where the program has come. You know, having national hosts, uh, when you have commentators talking about how great Clark LeClaire is. Another thing, guys, that's so great uh, about getting that Super Regional, if we can, uh, to host it, is the fact that our fans are the best. I don't care if you want to call me a homer. Go around the country. When you see our fans and uh, Clark LeClaire is rocking, it's, nothing's better. I, I love – I love the game of baseball, but it's even better when you have the home field advantage. I completely agree. We have the best fans, hands down, anywhere in the country. I'll put them up against anyone. Um, I sure do wish there were metal signs out, outside of that fence to be banging on to make it just a little <laughs> bit louder like it used to be in Harrington Field. But you can't go wrong with Clark LeClaire and, and everybody that does such a great job out there to um, support the Pirates and, and keep the, the program going. And by way, now, Daryl, you were obviously a freshman in 2002. Uh, you know, so during that time you were being recruited. You know, the Pirates were hosting that first regional at Wilson and then hosting a super regional. Um, you know, that's something a lot of people, you know, longtime Pirates certainly realize it, but, uh, you know, maybe some of the younger Pirates – may not, may uh, forget that we did host a super regional it was just not on campus some against Tennessee you know kind of coincidental there you know maybe the maybe the pirates will have an opportunity to run into Tennessee once once we uh, hopefully continue to play the way we're playing and, and make a run to Omaha but um, you know in that 2001 season you know you could have cut the uh, electricity with a knife at Granger Stadium and I know you had the chance to play in a regional at Granger Stadium where Tennessee was part of it but UNC Wilmington took care of the Vols and the Pirates didn't end up getting to play anybody besides um, Stony Brook and UNCW. Right yeah um, we let's see here uh, yep yeah, in 2001 I remember sitting in my computer right over here over my left shoulder dialing in to listen to the Pirates play um, against Tennessee and, and listen to Chris Berg just, you know, deflate the life out of us. Um, and while he was playing, you know, obviously he was a shortstop for Tennessee. And then my freshman year, we uh, hosted the Conference USA tournament at Granger Stadium, which was an experience, uh, you know, on its own. And then having to go down to Clemson for that regional, which was, whew, yeah, you've you got to face those guys down there. That's it's a different, different ball game. But again, I will put our fans up against those fans any day. Um, my sophomore year in 03, we went down to Georgia Tech, which they were another national seed. And then we ended up hosting in 04. Um, but unfortunately, my first at bat, I broke my foot. And that was it for me. So, um, you know, I, hosting regionals and getting to play, you know, in special places like Granger Stadium. Trevor can tell you a little more because I was posted up on crutches, the, you know, the rest of the tournament and going down to the Super Regional against South Carolina. Yeah, you know, playing in Granger Stadium and, and my my experience at East Carolina having to sit out a year um, from transferring from Barton College to there and 
you know, kind of missing out on going down to Georgia Tech, but, um, you know, going down to New Orleans to, to be with the team when I was not on, you know, when I wasn't playing and I was redshirted. And, but then uh, in 2004, being able to, to play in the super or play in the regional um, in Granger Stadium and, you know, going up against Stony Brook and then beating UNCW a couple more times after they, you know, ended up throwing their ace against us in the last game at Herring Field and they, they wanted to go out strong against us, but then we turned around and put a butt whooping on them two games in a row to to send them packing and for us to end up going to the Super Regional down in South Carolina. Um, you know, it, it's just an atmosphere that it, I don't think there's any atmosphere in college baseball. Even if the Pirates are on the road, we're going to dominate in fan support period. So it didn't matter if we played at Harrington field or if we played at Clark Leclerc, if we played at Granger stadium, we're going to pack the house. And even so when we went to, you know, Vanderbilt last year, there was a lot of purple and gold following. And so, you know, our fan base is just, you know, second to none at all. And, we talk about the, the win streak the Pirates are currently on, second longest win streak in school history, having won 18 games. You guys won 19 straight. And, uh, Trevor, you just talked about how it came to an end in that game against UNC Wilmington late in the season in 04. But, um, you know, just talk about, I mean, just it's so hard to uh, to win games, to produce a, a win streak of this magnitude, you know, what it's like to be part of such a one since you guys were. Yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, when when you're doing it, you don't really realize it. And, um, you know, after the fact that you're going, okay, well, how many win, <laughs> win in a row, 19? That's that's pretty ridiculous. And um, But, you know, the, it, it boils down to, you know, the way these guys started off and then the way they're ending the year, they're hot when they need to be hot. And, um, you know, having win streaks like that and, you know, being able to put 18, 19 games in a row and hopefully they keep on – keep on going and, and keep on going to Omaha. Um, it's just, you know, you don't really think about it until after the fact. And when you think about it, then it's just like, yeah, how, how in the world do we do that? Because <laughs> it's so hard to win games and it's so hard to, to repeat being able to play at a high level. Um, it's just, you know, unfathomable. Now during that stretch, Trevor, what, uh, what was it you homered and was it like, was it seven or eight games in a row or something ridiculous? It's six games in a row. And the only okay. reason I remember that is because me and Cliff owned that record together. He okay. owned six games straight and so did I. And, and so we, we kind of were sending the ECU record books that way together. <laughs> and then uh, Richard Allsbrook, um, uh, I know you remember, I, I believe it was you, Trevor, that hit a grand slam at, at Duke. It was uh, right after the Pirates, I think, had swept Charlotte and had a midweek game against the Blue Devils there on campus in Durham. And he said, um, great guest tonight. Thank you for the memories. Two of the best hitters in ECU baseball history. I saw a triple play at Duke when they played. Any thoughts on who comes to Greenville? Yeah, that, that game we had a triple play and a grand slam, which is – and it was a true triple play. It was a ground ball to Kaz over there at third. He, he stepped on third and threw it to me at second, and we turned it. And, uh, you know, that's not the first time I've been involved in a triple play, but the first time – that's been a true triple play. And then the, you know, the grand slam is, you know, icing on the cake when we were up, up there at Duke. 
Yeah, that that's a team that for even though Chris Pollard has done a great job in Durham, the Pirates have had so much success uh, in recent years with uh, with Duke, and um, it's not like they're a cupcake, you know. Um, they've they've done a nice job in Durham with uh, really with super regionals and uh, different things recently. So uh, it's even more special when you have an in-state rival and you can you can beat them. And I don't like to use the term "own them," but uh, the Pirates have done very well against them. They definitely have, and you know they they are a scary team when you're facing their weekend guys. You know, um, just like us, they don't they don't see what the conference sees. You know, on Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So when you get a chance to see their best, you see what they're really made of, and, and they are a good team. Um, you know, so if that potentially if Duke was to come to Greenville, that'd be a good matchup. You know, speaking of who's going to be traveling to Greenville, uh, some interesting comments uh, scrolling back through on Facebook and YouTube. Um, Charles said on Facebook, I think the state of North Carolina will have the most tournament teams. Um, definitely right up there if they do not. Uh, you have North Carolina, who's obviously hosting. And you also have Wake. On the Demon Deacons have an RPI that's up there in the top six or eight in the country. NC State had a very solid season, obviously. Uh, Tommy Tanks, and uh, we can talk about that. Uh, He had a season very much like the one you had, Trevor. I I think Tommy Tanks for NC State's hit about 26 or 27 bombs and had probably at least three or four, if not more, multi-home run games. But um, in addition to to those three ACC programs, you had former East Carolina head coach um, Billy Godwin and UNCG and the Spartans played their way out of the losers bracket, won four games, I believe, in two days, including two over a very good Walford team today um, to go to the road to Omaha uh, next weekend. And who knows, the, the Spartans could very well be a four seed in Greenville. And then you also had Campbell. They did not make matters easy for themselves in the Big South tournament over at the High Point Rockers Stadium. But uh, they were able to play out of the loser's bracket as well and win two games uh, yesterday against Charleston Southern uh, to, to defeat the Bucks and win the Big South and, and punch their ticket to Omaha or on the road to Omaha, rather, and uh, for the regionals. And um, you know, Justin Hare's done such a tremendous job there. Four straight Big South Conference championships, and uh, they are a team. It'll be interesting to see whether they get a three seed. I think where their RPI is, they may end up being a four, but um, who knows? They may be headed to Greenville like they were in 2019. And NC State and um, Wolfpack are clearly going to be a two seed somewhere, so maybe um, they come back to Greenville. That, that would be uh, something. What was that 2019? Uh, they came to Greenville and uh, yeah, State and Campbell were here in 2019. Yeah, that was a that was a crazy year, but certainly uh, with uh, what the Pirates had to do to come back and uh, I guess a Quinnipiac and all that, losing that Friday night game and having to win four games at a short period of time was unbelievable. I think, and some of the players have told us that it took a lot of gas out of them, and then. Uh, having to go to the Super Regional Louisville and and you have like the first regional, Super Regional uh, to play. It took a lot out of them just to get to the Super Regional in 19. Yeah, no doubt. Um, when we lost that game to Quinnipiac and then, you know, as it always does, the rain impacted that regional and had to play, you know, so many games in such a short period of time. Um, that was something you, you you didn't really feel the best going to Louisville, knowing how good Louisville was. But um, 
you know, hopefully that will not be the case this year. But, uh, you know, Johnny Gardner chimes in on Facebook saying, in his opinion, uh, I agree with him. The, the season swung when Ben Newton solidified the catcher spot. And, you know, you heard Coach Godwin say it multiple times in interviews over the last month or month and a half uh, during this win streak that uh, Ben Newton is the glue on this team. And um, he said also Jacob Starling getting onto the field after his injury. And I know you look at it, he was a second-team all-conference selection. Um, his batting average wasn't anything, you know, that really jumped out at you. I mean, it it was, uh, I think, a little below 250. But at the same time, you know, he, he had some very big games and, and hits like he did today and I get, in clutch moments, you know, getting – um, or maybe it was yesterday, actually. But, um, you know, Starling certainly uh, showed what he's capable of. And Ryder's selfless move from a starting shortstop into a, a weekend starter and eventually that Friday night roll. And uh, those things, in some, you know, allowed us to cement ourselves uh, defensively and in the batting order uh, and and led to a lot of confidence and continuity for the, for the team. No question, Johnny. You're always spot on. And, uh, one of our great uh, friends and obviously great viewer and listener. And he's, uh, I tell you, he and uh, Johnny Robertson, another one that comes to mind, Mark, Charles. There's a lot of people that listen and watch. We appreciate it very much. Again, one of my fans, uh, don't forget to uh, take care of our friends at Next Level Training Center. Uh, that's nextleveltc.com. You can call them 252-756-NEXT. We certainly have a great uh, Facebook uh, page there. They're always putting stuff up there. We appreciate Trent and Gaynell for their sponsorship, uh, title sponsorship of this show of Extra Innings. And I tell you what, I'm excited. I looked on there and um, by the way, Bubba, I know people wondering about tickets. It looks like if you're a season ticket holder, Pirate Club member, you have a chance to get tickets now at ecpirates.com is what the website is telling me. So be, uh, um, but definitely you call tomorrow, 1-800-DIAL-ECU. Uh, give them a call and uh, get your tickets tomorrow. I want to make sure that um, the folks usually don't like Memorial Day. If you're in a ticket office, it's a good problem to have because a lot of tickets are sold on Memorial Day each year. Yeah, see, season ticket holders and Pirate Club members should be receiving an email uh, you know, sometime tomorrow. And you know, going back to the information from last year, uh, I would imagine these ticket prices will be very um, comparable Um I think it was $90 for the tournament book uh, for a chair back seat, 72, 72 for the bleacher seats, and then 60 for um, a tournament book out in the jungle. So very reasonable. You know, um, obviously a lot of the Pirate fans will take in only these Carolina games, but then there are, you know, several that will, you know, be there for for the duration, um, you know, watching at least some of the some of the games that East Carolina's not playing in, and, you know, getting a scouting report and just taking in some excellent college baseball. So really look forward to it, and, you know. But as we start to uh, wind this down, wrap things up, you know, some of those other regionals, um, very excited to see, you know, the the so-called little guys, even though they're not really little guys in the college baseball world, because Southern Miss has been to Omaha and uh, they've hosted several regionals down through the years, but uh, it's great to see Southern Miss and Hattiesburg get a regional. Same thing with Georgia Southern and, um, and Statesboro. And then, um, man, what a story Virginia Tech has been with the way they swing the bats. 
going to be interesting to keep an eye on them uh, throughout the tournament. And, and then College Station, uh, Texas A&M is led by Jim Schlossnagel. I know you remember that name probably, Daryl and Trevor, because he was the head coach for all those years at TCU. And then Randy Mazie, your former head coach, or one of your head coaches, uh, served on that staff and then uh, and is now doing such a great job up at West Virginia. But uh, uh, Schloss has certainly uh, made an immediate impact there in College Station where he has so many resources with the Aggies. Yeah, he put together some great teams at TCU um, when we played those guys. So he knows exactly what he's doing. Uh, he's a great recruiter, and he's going to put a team out there that's going to be tough to beat. Louisville has been so consistent in recent seasons, and um, we'll dive more into that um, throughout this week. We'll work to – once we find out who's headed to Greenville, we'll work to get some of those coaches, you know, beat writers and so forth on to find out, you know, about the teams that the Pirates will be playing or have a chance to play. And um, we'll take a look around the country as well, and we'll see if we can get some of our friends from D1 Baseball and the 11.7 pod back on to uh, preview some of these regionals. But, um, yeah, very, very interested to see the, the bracket unveiled on Monday afternoon. No doubt about it. It's a great time of year if you're a race fan today with Memorial Day with Coca-Cola 600 and Indy 500. Great uh, for the Pirates to win. Uh, first ever to have the conference title and uh, for the tournament title and the regular season. Coach Godwin's 300 win. We have 18 straight wins. Uh, it's unbelievable. Uh, so proud of that. Do you have guys have any final thoughts? I know we've kept you a long time. It's just been a, a wonderful day. It's, it's one of those days you don't want to end. No, nope, the only thing I can say is uh, go Pirates. You know, keep it rolling. If you if you beat the streak, yeah, beat the streak. I'll be more than happy to wear that one. See you guys rolling to regional time and uh, keep it going. And, you know, good luck. And, and we'll see you in Omaha. Yeah, same, you know, to reiterate what Daryl said, go Pirates. And, you know, <laughs> records are meant to be broken. It's stood long enough, 18 years or whatever it may be. Break it and keep on going. Let's get to 23. That means we're going to Omaha, and I'll see you there. I promise. I know Bubba Rosa will definitely be there. If I can get the time off, oh, guys, yeah. I'll be there with you. Yeah, I've always said, you know, I don't care what I have to do. Um, I'm going to be there for – for at least part of it, and I can't imagine not being there for the whole thing. Uh, that's one of the the blessings that I have uh, being a teacher. I have flexibility in the summer, whereas a lot of people do not with their jobs, where they'd have to, you know, kind of pick and choose where they go. And then it's, you know, it's, you never know how long you're going to be there. So it's hard not to go at the beginning because uh, you could, you know, drop those first two games and not have a chance to go. But, uh, you know, very interested to, to see how it pans out. And, you know, I, uh, my final thoughts um, for this show, Dave, are this. Uh, you know, I, I reflect back to 2016 in that in that Lubbock Super Regional. You know, an emotional Cliff Godwin speaking in the media after the game uh, when the Pirates were so close, um, really in game two, and then we're not close in game three. But he said, hey, uh, as much as this hurts, you know, uh, I believe things happen for a reason. And I think that, uh, you know, maybe this is so we can – do it at Clark LeClaire Stadium one day, you know, or, uh, you know, in whatever way uh, we're supposed to make it to Omaha. And, you know, you know, who knows? As, as long as we make it to Omaha, whether it's because we won one game in a row or 23 in a row, 
But uh, I couldn't help but to think that, hey, maybe we lost that day because this year we we may uh, win 23 games in a row and go to Omaha. I mean, that's uh, an incredible feat. And uh, just uh, want to thank you guys. I know Richard is uh, – you guys are tremendous. Thank you for all that you did for the program. And it's just great to see the, you guys. I know they said, see you guys so dialed in, which is uh, – Johnny said that. Uh, is true and um, just a testament to how great our baseball program is, how great our fans are uh, for UC period. Thank you so much uh, for coming on tonight. And uh, like Bubba said, my final thing is just keep it right here because we're always going to have stuff on social media and we'll have different guests throughout the week uh, as we walk you up to the Greenville Regional uh, starting on Friday. All right. Uh, well, Daryl, Trevor, thank you guys so much. Appreciate you very much. Love to have you back on uh, here in the postseason. And hopefully we can have you on a couple more times uh, before the season's over. Sounds good. Thanks for having us. Anytime. I'll do it live in Omaha with you, Bubba. Sounds good. I'll, I'll certainly be catching up with you this weekend in the jungle. Looking forward to it. All right. Daryl, Tre- Trevor, thank you so much. Thanks to all of you listening and watching. You've been watching and listening to Extra Innings. It's brought to you by Next Level Training Center. And you heard it and listened and watched it right here on the Sports Objective. Good night, everybody. And as always, go Pirates. That concludes this week's edition of Extra Innings, presented by Next Level Training Center on the Sports Objective. Join us next Sunday night as we will once again talk East Carolina Pirate Baseball. Be sure to follow the show on social media, at the Sports OBJ on Twitter, at the Sports Objective on Instagram. Like and follow our Facebook page and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Listen to the show pretty much anywhere podcasts are found. As always, we appreciate you tuning into the show. Go Pirates!